0: At Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, and welcome to episode 193 of Dogcast Radio. This, along with all our other episodes, is on our website dogcastradio.com. Later on, we'll be finding out all we need to know about Alabama rot. But first, You've probably seen social media posts, newspaper headlines and so on about Finn's law, which aims to provide legal protection for the dogs and horses who are vital parts of our law enforcement team, making it an offence to attack them and basically giving them the same status as injured human officers. This is a serious, important subject and it gets to the heart of our attitude to animals who put their safety, their lives, on the line to enable us to live our lives in safety and order. This is an interview which is riveting, but it is moving, and Dave Wardell tells his and Finn's story very vividly. So be prepared and maybe have a hanky to hand. I'm talking today to Dave Wardell. Hi, Dave. Hi. Hi, And we're going to talk about your lovely dog, Finn. But Finn has a very special role. He's not, you know, in inverted commas, just a pet dog. He's had such an eventful life. So tell me about the first time you met Finn.
1: So uh, I applied to be a dog handler. I I applied uh, five times. It's something I've wanted to do since I met a, a dog handler and his dog when I was about 12 years old. I finally got the opportunity or at least passed the all the written um, bits I needed to do to, to do the role. And then it was time to meet my puppy.
0: Mm.
1: So I was called to Hertfordshire Police Headquarters and I was given a whole list of stuff, do's and don'ts and what you could do with your dog and what you couldn't and uh, a whole um, bag full of equipment that the the um, supervisor insisted on going through. But actually, I just wanted, to, I just wanted <laughs> the, the, the puppy. I can uh, imagine. I've been told, yeah, it was just so, like, you know, like Christmas time, you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been told his name was Finn, but I didn't know anything else about him. So he went to the kennels and he got out this bouncy, boisterous, cute, uh, nine-month-old pup called Finn. And that was it after that point. Now I know why he gave me everything first because once he gave me Finn, I then completely stopped listening to him and uh, was just immersed in, in the world of this new dog.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what's what's the process like? Because I know a little bit about the process of, you know, when, I know it's a completely different role that the dog's taking on, but I know a little bit about sort of people taking, you know, getting a new assistance dog and the process they go through. But what's the process when you get a new police dog? What, how do you start bonding with them and let's talk about you know the fact that you do have a bond with them they're not just at all are they so how do you start building that relationship with them
1: well I mean you, you are told when you know when you're first accepted onto the dog section you are told things like you know don't fall in love with the dog because you might not make it through the course together and uh you know all sorts of things like that but When you've got this nine month old bouncy (laughs) gorgeous pup that just wants to please you, of course, it's difficult not to, to fall in love. So, so, but that, you know, that is certainly the first few weeks, um, together you're given or you should be given the opportunity to just bond because, you know, this dog doesn't know you. It may have been through a couple of foster homes and into police kennels and stuff like that. So it's really important that you take the time to learn each other, uh, you know, learn each other's mm. foibles and, and what makes each other tick. Of course, that's an ongoing process for, for, for your whole career. But, you know, you've really got to get them on side and play with them and spend, um, and spend time with them. You know, I spend more time with Finn uh, than I do with my family. So yeah. he's a huge, huge part of my life.
0: Yeah. yeah. And saying, saying that, Dave, how much training did Finn have before you got him? So uh, Finn was actually
1: bred uh, by West Midlands Police Dog um, program. Mm. Uh, and in fact, his, his litter were actually featured on an ITV program and a YouTube campaign called Pup Idol, where all the litter, uh, there was 11 in the litter, yeah. were featured in several episodes. So in that instance, if he's born into a police um, dog program, then their training can start at about eight weeks. And when I say their training, their training at that sort of age is to see everything, meet everyone, go everywhere and, um, you know, really see the whole world so that there are no surprises for them once they do start working. But we can get other dogs as well from the public. You know, sometimes we get phone calls from people saying, um, you know, I've got a dog who's a bit too much and he's chasing the kids and, you know, ripping up the washing and stuff like that. Mm. Um, And quite often, you know, we don't get them until they're about a year old. So um, their training will start then. But, of course, they will have had um, some of the groundwork that we do with our pups anyway because their owners will have taken them everywhere and, you know, met lots of people. So... I guess their training really starts in earnest uh, at about one. And then uh, they normally go on a course at, at about 18, 18 months. But Finn actually started his a lot earlier. Finn was uh, 13 months when he went on his
0: course. Yeah, mm. yeah. So then you know, the, the real work begins, doesn't it? So how did Finn take to training?
2: With oh, you? he loved it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he uh- he
1: just wants you know he's he's bred to work all all of his siblings were working dogs his mum was a working dog, so is his dad he's he's got that real height although he's laid here on the sofa he wouldn't believe it uh, he's got that real high drive um and want you know to please you and to to get a result and of course to get his toy at the end of it yes. so yeah
0: um
1: he took to it pretty well the 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 thing is to like I said just now, is to um, learn each other. It's not – my job isn't to make him a human. Mm. My job is to become a little bit more dog so that I understand what he's trying to tell me.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a lovely way to put it. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's lovely to hear because, you know, when you see – police dog handlers in, in public often it's a you know it's a very serious event and sometimes it's a sad um event um yeah and and they have to be quite stern and sort of in control and but it, it's yeah. nice to you know to hear that sort of human side of it um in fact i i have to be restrained from sort of going up and saying can i say hello to the dog <laughs> because, yeah. you know, no they they are a working dog you know you can't but, you go. know
1: normally my my I, my take on that was usually once once you know once i've finished the job by all means come and find me and you can you can say hello but whilst finn's working you know now and then police officers get nipped because you know the dogs don't all, yeah. they, all they know is that i need to protect dad or whatever dad's protecting so it's quite a nice saying i saw um on the internet a few months ago that this is from a police dog's point of view. When I'm working, I don't hate you in front of me. I just love the person behind me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that's true of a lot of dogs. You know, a lot of dogs that get a bad reputation. You know, I won't yep. name breeds, but they yep. are protective because they love their people. Yep. They, as you say, they're not protective because they hate people. They're protective because they no. love their people. You know, so, Absolutely. yeah. Those
1: are the sort of behaviours that we do. We do uh, exploit, exploits probably the wrong way, but they, they are the sort of behaviours that we we do um draw out of them you know german shepherds were bred as a as a guarding breed whether they guarded the the flock or whether they guarded property um and that's you know that's what we use and it's and it's vital in our work but um you know finn's not an aggressive nasty dog he's been to schools and guides and brownies and stuff like that he's a very well-rounded police dog but you when i put my uniform on and we turn up to you know, one of his first jobs he went to was 200 people fighting, then wow. he will become a, a different dog.
0: Yeah, yeah. I imagine you're a different person at that kind of event than you are. Yeah, yeah. just a little, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and it's it's a a huge ask. You know, we ask a lot of all our working dogs, but, you know, I think possibly particularly police dogs because they have to go into such alien environments with you know potentially some quite hostile attitudes towards them um so you know we we do ask so much of them
1: we do yeah absolutely like i said one minute he could be at the the scouts or the guides or the brownies or the school being you know talking to like we went to lancashire a couple of weeks ago Mm. to talk to 10 and 11 year olds and and be fussed and play with them in the park and uh, and then you know next minute he could be at a fight with 200 people who are all you know baying for each other's blood so yes we do ask a lot of them
0: yeah. so you can see that that early socialization has got to be excellent hasn't it because that dog needs to know to read humans and go yeah. that's just playful behavior no that's problematic yeah. behavior they've, they've got to do that really well um absolutely but that's the
1: same of any dog you know that's the same of our pets as well quite often you know um i'm asked about behavioral issues you know of, of dogs and, and and quite often when you get to the bottom of it it's just because they weren't they didn't have that socialization. They didn't have it during their formative yes. weeks and months. They didn't get the chance to figure it all out for themselves. So they're trying to make it up as they go along and quite often they get it wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah and I think another thing that we don't always grasp with pet dogs is they like to be busy most dogs you know they like to be busy they like to have a yeah. job to do and again that's a misconception with working dogs some people will think oh poor working dogs they have you know they have to work it's such a hard life the yeah. dogs love yeah. it don't they to them that's the I- best life they can have well
1: that's- that's why they were put put on this earth, weren't they? they, you know, they they had to sort of hunt for their survival. And you know, I can take, I've got, we've we've got six dogs in all, and and I can take them for a five mile walk. And when they come home, they, I'll be tired, but they won't be. But if you can just take twenty minutes out of their day to use their brain and use their nose, they'll go to sleep all afternoon. Yeah. So yeah. vital that you try and find a way to 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 use their um their skills because it will wear them out.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Finn certainly had found his his job, hadn't he? He's the way to, to wear himself out. So, tell me about his sort of some of, that, of his career.
1: So, Finn, in his career, he must have tracked down. I tried to add it up the other day, and I ran out. I ran out of time to, to count, but he must have tracked down about. 300 offenders during his career. Wow. Um, and what, what you have to appreciate is that these people aren't sat there on the doorstep of where they committed an offence waiting for us to come and arrest them. Some of them have gone to huge lengths to get away. And, you know, Finn's longest track was four miles across country that took us from one county into another. And, um, you know, we've waded across rivers and, and found found people uh, we've we've searched all day long for missing people and found them. Mm. Um, so, so you know when you hear of a, of a police dog's um, career, and it's amazing because on social media you now you can actually read about the jobs that they do. They are absolutely awesome. The, the work they do, the skills that they've got, the noses that they've got are just um, beyond our comprehension really. And, and I'm so privileged. I'm so lucky as a dog handler to be able to work with these. Uh, these amazing animals and I'm in awe of what they can do you know being I'm the dope on the other end of the <laughs> rope and to, but to be able to watch them is just uh mind-blowing
0: yeah yeah I, do you know I think again to, to to hear that sort of admiration of the dog is amazing because in so many situations not from the handler, I mean, but I mean you know I've known of assistance dogs detection dogs particularly doing, yeah. uh, medical detection dogs, doing their job, being sort of yeah. poo-pooed by medical experts, going, oh, we don't need the dog to come in with you. And you no, 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 yeah. don't distrust the dog. The dog, in yeah. some ways, knows more than you do. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Finn,
1: Finn uh, when we turned up to a job, I very rarely had to tell him what to do. He, did, he would read my body language. He knew what my heart rate was. He could tell the hormones that I was releasing and yeah. the people in front of were releasing. So he knew how to react.
0: Yeah, yeah he's he's
1: amazing so much more than we than we get, you know give them credit for currently we may never fully understand what what they do and what they're capable of but yeah. um, I think we barely scratch the surface
0: Oh yeah yeah I mean even now I I interviewed um greg burns who's putting dogs in mris in a very dog friendly way he's he's sort of yeah. looking into yeah. their brains with an mri and even if we can see the bits of the brain that light up we can understand a little bit more but we can't yeah. ever totally understand what's going on and, and maybe that's part of their mystery yeah. so so take me now to the to the night when it was in 2016 wasn't it when you went to attend um, a robbery and you know you had this big incident so tell me about that dave
1: so it was the 5th of October 2016. It was about uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. There had been a number of incidents in um, uh, in Stevenage, a town in Hertfordshire, um, throughout the day that had led local officers to believe that there were people in town that probably weren't from the area, just because of this sort of um, level of aggression they were using against people for, for robberies and stuff like that. Uh, so we attended... Uh, what at that point was just a suspicious incident. A, a taxi driver had been robbed earlier in the evening of his takings, which was about £120. Um, uh, during that robbery, he saw what he thought was a baton and he also had a gun, what he thought was a real gun pointed in his face. Um... So we got called to this suspicious incident and what happened was a taxi firm had been called and someone had said, I've got £120 and I need to get back to South London. So alarm bells started mm. ringing. Mm. And so we attended with uh, other units and firearms. Uh, they put a knock-in on the front door of this address and all hell broke loose at the back of the address, but there were no police officers were around there. So Finn was in the van still, round the corner, near where the noise was coming from. So I ran back round to the van, grabbed Finn out. Uh, at that point someone shouted that uh, they could see people running through gardens Uh, they were running towards us i ran to um an alleyway which i know comes from that sort of area just to see if if we could either go into that area to find them or if they would come out and sure enough as we were running towards the alleyway this young lad ran out um and i shouted i didn't know who he was or what he was doing he clearly looked like the rabbit in the headlights and he was trying to get away from something um i looked him up and down i shouted my police dog challenge for him to stop um he ignored me but he was clearly holding something in his right hand side and his right hand side was the the side that was facing us mm. and then he ran off uh, and he ran off with his right arm glued to his to his side which is not the way anyone would run. And, mm. But from the glimpse that I could get of it at two o'clock in the morning in poor street lighting, it sort of looked like the baton that we'd already been told about in the previous, uh, incident. Yeah. So we, we gave chase. Finn's still on lead. I shout at the lad that he needs to stop. Otherwise, I'll send Finn to stop him. Um, and. Uh, he ignored us and carried on running. So I had to make a des- decision. He's, we think he's involved in a, in an offence, potentially a serious offence from earlier, possibly another offence that he's running away from. Uh, we think he's got a weapon, which I thought at that time was a baton, and uh, he's not stopping. So I decided to unclip Finn from his lead because when Finn's not attached to me, he can run at about thirty miles per hour.
0: Mm, wow!
1: So I knew that Finn would be. You know, he's only. Sort of ten meters in front of us, so I knew that Finn would be on him very, very quickly, and uh, then I could take control and arrest him. So Finn, Finn shoots off. <clears throat> I carry on running after them. They disappear around the corner into a back garden. As I come around the corner, I see Finn's tail going through the garden, uh, through through the gate into the garden. I join him. He's lost sight of him, so he sort of stood still, waiting for him to reappear again um the young lad appears from behind a bush near the back door of the property and he runs towards the fence and finn runs after him grabs hold of his lower leg as he's jumped up up the fence and pulls him back down to the ground i uh i come and join finn i take take hold of his collar as i always do in that sort of situation young lad flips onto his back so Finn has to let go of his leg and then re-grips the top of his lower leg so he's got hold of his shin. Mm. And I'm just about to start telling, telling the lad what he needs to do in order for me to get Finn to let go because obviously he's struggling and whilst I haven't got control, there's no way I'm going to ask Finn to let no, go because no. this lad's got a lot to get away from. And clearly he's quite determined to do so. Uh So... Yeah, literally just about to start telling him what he needs to do for me to get Finn to let him go. And he he's propped up on his elbows and he lunges forward and it's dark and it's, you know, there's not much light. And I can't really see what he's doing. But he lunges forward towards Finn's chest. And it's only when he's because I'm over the top of Finn looking down. It's only when he starts to relax back into his sort of on his elbows position that I start to see. Uh, uh, something coming out of Finn's chest. Now, this oh. it, this thing probably only takes a, a tenth of a second to happen, oh, but yes. in my mind, it takes in my mind, it you know, the world slowed down and it takes about twenty seconds. Mm. So this dark, horrible thing starts coming, and it's coming, and it keeps coming, keeps coming out of Finn's chest. Oh. Um, and I still can't compute because you don't expect None. to see that sort. Of, we we don't. We do face violence, but we don't face that level of violence. Mm. Um, And I'm still trying to compute as he lunges forward again. But this time he's not going for Finn. He's going up and over Finn's head and he's aiming for me. Mm. Finn, obviously being a master of body language, as dogs are, he's figured out what's about to happen and he lifts himself up and he gets in the way of that second thrust of the knife.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that means that um, that kn- that knife is heading for my face and my neck. Mm. Uh, that means that Finn gets in the way of it. It slices open the top of his head, and because I'm holding onto his collar, it slices open my hand. Oh. The lad then relaxes back into his on his elbows, and I think, oh, "Crikey, now I know what's going on." Mm. And we're both, um, you know, in mortal danger. Yes. Uh, seeing where that knife the size of that knife and where it had come from, I'm half expecting Finn to fall over and, and sort of die in front of me because mm-hmm. it must have must have gone through his heart. So I need to disarm him as quickly as possible so that um, we can live, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I, I unstraddle Finn, grab hold of his hair. Finn's still got hold of the young lad, lad's leg, and he's still um, helping me in the struggle. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we lift him up, uh, slam him on the ground once. He's still got hold of the knife. We do it again and he lets go. Then back up, uh, arrive. They, they, because they're only around the corner, they run through the garden gate. They take hold of the offender. I get Finn to let go and then I start to try and figure out what's happened to Finn. I can now see blood dripping out of his, um, out of his chest.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Mm. Uh, I managed to get Finn to lay down on the floor. You can imagine both of us are full of adrenaline.
0: Yes. Get Finn
1: to lay down on the floor. I find roughly where the blood's coming from and I lift his leg up and then you hear the most horrible noise of air being sucked in through that uh, wound into his chest. Mm. Uh, And I I shout, he's been stabbed. Um, And someone literally grabs my keys off of me and says, right, we're going to a vet. Because at this point, I've already been shouting down the radio that we've been stabbed. Uh So they've already organized a vet, which luckily was only a couple of miles away. And we shoot off to the vet. So um, we shoot off to the vet on blue lights. Our van, the inside of our van where the dogs sit, is um, clear, you know, sort of um, shiny white plastic. And by the time we got there, it was uh, shiny red plastic.
0: Oh, crikey, Dave. Wow.
1: So so we got him into the vet, uh, laid him on the floor and the vets are trying to discuss what happened and asking me what's happened, I send them out to the van when they ask how much blood he's lost. They come running back in, Um, and there was just a brief moment while the vets are off discussing what they're going to do and their next steps where he and I are laying on the floor, and it's one of those real weird moments that you Mm. see in Hollywood film where you can't hear anything else. Everything else is faded out, and he Finn finds my stab wound on my hand, and in as much pain as he's in, and as much blood as he's losing and whatever else, he finds the cut on my hand and he starts tending to it.
0: Oh, bless
1: um, him. Just real heart-tugging moment.
0: Yes, yeah, crikey.
1: So uh, his blood, blood pressure starts stabilizing relatively quickly, so they're happy that he hasn't sustained any um, artery damage and the knife hasn't gone through his heart, but then his oxygen levels start plummeting and his chest starts to look really barrel-shaped. Um, we know that air has already got into his chest through the wound, um, but now they're starting to think, has the knife reached his lungs? Um, that vet struggled to control that, and um, they didn't have the right equipment to, to draw that air out so that his lungs could inflate. So they we have to rush to another vet on blue lights uh, where they do have the equipment to draw the air out of his chest so that his lungs can inflate once at uh, the next vet uh, they say they say to me, "I need to go and get my injuries dealt with, and there's nothing more that I can do for Finn here. they won't let me into the you know the operating mm. theater mm. Um, and then he he gives me the opportunity because he the vet makes no promises he gives me the opportunity to go and say goodbye,
0: oh my goodness.
1: Which is horrible.
0: Yes. Crikey. Oh, how so awful. Like to go, yeah. you know, let's let's put this in human terms. One minute you're going about your job yeah. and, you know, and it, for you, it's, you know, I know it's a dramatic night, you know, but for you as a policeman, it's a, you know, it's a standard night. And oh, my yeah. goodness, then suddenly all hell breaks loose and then your best mate's going to die. Oh, crikey. Yeah, yeah. Wow
1: yeah yeah he is you know he is my best mate as i said to you earlier he's we spend more time together than anyone else he knows yes. what i'm thinking yeah we are nobody knows me as as well as finn um and so yeah so to be able to, to for the vet to say i'm going to give you the opportunity to go and say goodbye was the end of my world really yes. it was horrible oh. so anyway to cut long story short i had to go to the hospital have my wounds tended to and then I came back with my wife who was obviously um she didn't know anything at that point and she was distraught and yeah. uh we we came back uh we met another vet who was due to do the operations and again he made no promises he was fairly confident that he had a punctured lung and they went Finn went into theater at 11 o'clock and he came out at three o'clock they so had four hours of surgery where they um, they literally had to pull bits of his lung out to find where the holes were. He had oh. four holes in his lung, and so they had to remove two sections of lung. Luckily, relatively small sections, yeah. and 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 then sew them all back up together again. Reconstruct his um, muscles where the knife had gone through, and and then of course then then he had to spend the sort of next three weeks. Uh, trying to stave off any infection
0: yeah oh gosh
1: he was he was home after three days because mm. uh, the vets said the vets were said it was uh, his recovery was nothing short of miraculous i mm. mean even uh the following day when I was allowed to 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 spend some time with him uh he was already on duty if you like he was trying to he was although he was very tired and very weak he was trying to protect me from what he thought i needed to be protected from but come so this was on the wednesday it happened by the saturday the vet said that he'd taken all the chest drains out because he had about half a dozen chest drains in to draw out air and fluids and stuff once they were all gone he said he can go home um because recovery at home would probably be much more um quicker because he'd be be at home with me, so I moved into the front room with Finn downstairs uh, and I stayed there with him for about four weeks
0: Crikey. wow yeah i bet I, I I mean a horrible time when a when a dog's convalescent, it's a very trying, difficult time, but my goodness, I bet you were over the over the moon to have him back home,
1: yeah, over the moon, but um, I, I don't know if you've had children, but you know when you when you come home from the hospital with your kids and, <laughs> yes. and certainly you're first and and every time they make a noise you worry
0: yeah and
1: every time they make a noise you worry even more <laughs> so we came home with a, a huge bag of drugs and a, and a very long list of things to look out for um which could potentially mean that he's he's got an infection um and one of them is if they start to cough if they start to feel lethargic um you know if, if their temperature goes up drastically or down drastically um and uh, i woke up one morning and all those things happened he lit i couldn't wake him uh he was freezing cold to touch and uh, when i eventually did get him up he started coughing and then oh, i found a lump yeah. on his chest thinking oh no he's done so well until now luckily it wasn't it wasn't infection it was just something to do with the um uh, the surgical site but so it was very um those four weeks were were quite tough even though that it literally consisted of me sitting in this room uh almost all day long watching him like a hawk it was it was very tough but that's when I started doing um some blogging I started blogging about what happened and our relationship and what we've been through over the years and uh that of course was eventually turned into our book which is due out uh, in a couple of weeks
0: yes wow and that must have been you know, cathartic to write, sort of to, to write about this dog and tell, you know, tell people about him. But I, I guess reliving Fusion. that. I mean, you're so brave to tell me this story. My goodness, I've nearly been in tears this end. Well, no, I'll be honest. I have been in tears this end. But my goodness, to sit and, and, and tell people about this and, and, and write about it. That's really brave to go through it again.
1: Well, I was going to I, I wanted to record it because I, I've got a terrible memory for a start. Uh, and uh, I was going to just write it in some diaries so that I had the story. And someone said, well, why don't you blog about it? And then your family and your colleagues can uh, can read about, you know, what happened, your relationship, that sort of stuff. And um, so I started blogging about it, and I shared it on social media. Very quickly, we had um, about 40,000 people um, reading our blogs, which was just mind-blowing. Yeah. But it was it was hugely cathartic. And then... Uh, my social media accounts sort of took off as well, and to to have that support because police officers live in quite a strange world. To be fair, we yeah. um, certainly dog handlers and and firearms officers and and you know traffic and people that go to what is normally the worst of the worst. You know the the real low points in in people's life, and when you when that's the only thing you ever see day in day out, you tend to end up with quite a warped View yes. of the world, yeah. And yeah. you know, I I said I spent four four weeks in the in the living room with Finn while he was getting better, but part of that was because I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave the house. I struggled to leave the house. I, I you know, I thought everyone wanted to kill me, and yes. everybody, you know. So the public through social media and through my blogs were a huge part of my recovery because they showed their support for not only what finn and i do and what happened to us but for all um service animals police dogs and and police officers and that was that was amazing for me that really did um really did help
0: yeah yeah I i think you're right because there's you know you don't you don't think to ever walk up to a policeman and just go thank you, and you know, you just take it for granted, they're doing their job, you know. Um, I think we're getting better at it, and certainly America are are quite good
1: at it, but um, yeah, yeah. it's a difficult, because you know, we get paid to do the job, and people think that we we, we see these nasty things, and we cope, but actually we, we go home, and we still, you know, we've got a job to do at the time, but once the job's done, we do go home, and we do think about it, and we've all got our little demons that come back and uh, and revisit us so so being able to write about it be able to get it down uh, and for people to actually want to read it was just um was wonderful
0: yeah oh good good well i'm glad you know it was a horrible horrible thing to happen to you and finn and so i'm glad some some good came from it from and it didn't come you know that guy that stabbed him it didn't come from a good place so i'm glad that some you know some good came from it and and you felt the love of you know the british public. Yeah. so yeah i'm glad about that Oh thank you crikey. yes
1: we've we've done lots of things since uh, since that night we've mm. we've helped raise nearly 40,000 pounds for different charities wow. there's uh, a campaign was started in his name called Finn's law to try and bring um some protection for all service animals whilst they're working yeah. um, and that's that has its second reading in parliament on the 23rd of February
0: brilliant
1: um so yeah, he might end up with a, a law named after him. You never know. Yeah. We've tried to get as many positives as we can from our negatives because I could have sat here and gone mad and mm. uh, uh, and, and struggled, or I could have tried to bring you know some positivity to it all. And thanks to the public, I have managed to bring um, something positive from all of
0: this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Well, you know, as you say, Americans are very good. So you know. Thank you for your service, Dave. You know that it's it's, really—it's very moving, actually. uh, (laughs) I've—I've been glad that you've been doing most of the talking because it is a very moving subject. It's gosh, it's wow. So, tell me now about Finn's life now.
1: So, so Finn retired on his. Finn actually returned to work. Did he? Um, he, Yeah, he did. Yeah, Um, he wasn't allowed to do anything at all for six weeks while his body made all the adaptations it had to make and everything sewed back together and whatever else and after week six the vet said look you're you're an expert when it comes to finn if you think he's ready he sees no the vet saw no uh, medical reason why finn couldn't return to work so finn was actually finn had already told me at that way before that point that he wanted to start back and start doing some 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 little bits yeah some search stuff like that so we we set about trying to, you know, build his uh, his body back up and get his fitness back up. And then um, a week, uh, ten ten weeks after the incident, he looked like he was ready to to do uh, his tests. Every year they have to do um, tests, or we have to do it as a team. Uh, so I got a friend who's an instructor to come along and uh, and set up some scenarios for us. And he passed. He passed with flying colours. Mm-hmm. In fact, he scored so highly that um, they were suggesting that he could go off and do the uh, regional trials for for our area, uh, wow. which is we'll get to that. I know we'll get to that in a sec. So yeah. uh, week, so he passed his exams on week ten, week eleven, which would have been the twenty first of no twenty second of December. We returned to work for a night shift. And on his, our very first job that we were called to was a car, a stolen car that had been, had, had evaded police and had crashed into another vehicle and the driver had run off. Uh, we got there about 20 minutes after and I put Finn in his tracking harness and, of course, not really knowing what to expect, although mm-hmm. he'd been awesome before the incident. Um, I put him in his tracking and harness and he immediately he was off. Uh, he, Dragged me through uh, a housing estate and then down into some fields where some horses were. And this this bit always makes me laugh. The twenty second December on a starry night, he dragged me to a stable (laughs) where we found the offender. Uh, hiding under a horse blanket <laughs> three days before Christmas. There were no yes. wise men in the stable. Just, just, just the you know. <laughs> uh, He'd never been away. He absolutely, you know, he was back on, on top of the world, and um, it was uh, that was a very emotional moment. Yes. I can assure you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, what but an then he went into dog. sort
1: of. no, he then went into sort of semi-retirement because I'm an instructor. Just before he retired, he went to the regional trials. Uh, we withdrew him on the last day because he picked up a little uh, muscle injury. But actually, he scored so highly, he won all the awards bar the winner award. Uh. Uh, and then he retired the following day. So he did. He retired on a high.
0: Yes. Gosh, he didn't half. Wow. I, what an amazing. Thank you so much for telling me that and, and sharing that because it's amazing.
1: Oh, and I, I forgot. He when he retired, because he, he'd never been to a beach because in our force, our dogs are not allowed to leave the county unless it's uh, unless it's to do with work. So he'd never been to the beach.
0: Mm.
1: So the week after he retired, we went to the beach for the first time, and he absolutely loved it. <laughs> Had an oh. absolutely fantastic time.
0: Yeah. Oh how lovely! Do you know? You know, I'm so glad. I mean, I'm I'm so glad he's still with us. I'm so glad you're okay, and and, and that you're okay physically and mentally. Um, yeah. But my goodness, I'm so glad he Finn is getting the retirement he's earned because so many working dogs don't get that. They give us their service and they they yeah. spend their lives. And if, if 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 anybody listening to this is thinking, "Oh, they don't do anything for me," yes, they do because they they no. check. You know. Hospital, you know, they deal with criminals, they check, you know, the sniffer dogs check checking um, yep. if you fly anywhere, if you um, yep. you go on a ferry, you know, they they work so hard. They they enable us to live our lives. They do. They touch they... every life, don't they?
1: Absolutely, they do. Yeah. And even if you think of, you know, guide dogs, I've got a friend who's got a guide dog and that allows him to work in London. You know, his dog, Sammy, allows him to work down in London in the city. So, yeah. you know, if, if if he didn't have that opportunity, what, you know, he would be potentially claiming benefits and whatever so they do have they do touch everybody's lives they do make a huge difference to everybody even at three o'clock in the morning you know when we're all laid in bed asleep there are service animals out there protecting us and, and looking out for us and detecting for us so they are you know they are invaluable they are and they are unbelievable like i said earlier i'm so privileged to to be able to watch uh, watch them at work they're amazing yeah
0: yeah, crikey! Wow, and and when you you instruct other handlers now, do you to?
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a, an operational handler. I've got a new dog now. Yes. Uh, um, and and luckily, Finn and her, she's called Hero Diesel. Luckily, they get on very very well. So we still keep some of Finn's training going to keep him fit and active and healthy.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and of course, he's he's had a bit of a he's a little bit of a a, a mini celebrity so he's been to i've been on telly lots of times he's been to to a number of awards he's been to the houses of parliament three times where they all love him
0: yeah
1: um he's been to the he won the mirror animal hero award he won the i4 award and we've got some things coming up this year that i can't tell you about
0: okay yet. it's on a need-to-know basis okay
1: <laughs> yeah he's got a very exciting i'd call the book as well so he's got a very exciting very exciting retirement he, there's a possibility that he might even be coming to miami in may this year we're just trying to wow. to figure all that out yeah.
0: yeah oh that would be great oh it, it, it's lovely i'm so glad that you're getting you know still you can still sort of do some training with him and and keep that bond going because it does feel wonderful when you're working you know when you're a team with your dog it does feel wonderful and that you've got this this these opportunities that's incredible and that has been amazing where is the best place for people to find out more about you and finn online and how can they where's your blog
1: so um the um you can find me on twitter my name my twitter name is dave wardell or one word d-a-v-e-w-a-r D E L L Uh If on Facebook if they search for Finn for Change you'll find uh lots of stuff about Finn on there and what he's getting up to this year and the the, num- the numerous events that we're going to. Um there is a website called finslaw.com All one word, Finn's Law. Uh, and that talks about the campaign and what we're trying to achieve, and and what the next steps are, and what people can do to help. Um, oh gosh, what else is yeah. there? There's the book, and yeah. So so the blog, I think you have, you have to go onto WordPress. I think is yeah. the blogging site, and search for Finn's story, um, and it's in 25 parts on there. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So busy, busy time. Yeah. Busy yeah. time for a dog handler who's used to being up to his waist in mud and uh, wading through rivers and
0: jumping over fences <laughs> yes <laughs> a very yes <laughs> bit of a change yes i enjoy it um we'll we'll i'll make sure we'll, we'll find all the links to to all those and we'll put those on the um podcast site and we'll we'll share them through our own social media It's brilliant you yeah, know i'm so happy to help share this story um dave is there anything that you haven't had the chance to say that you'd, you'd like to say
1: just that you know let's not take our service animals for granted it would be wonderful if we could get some protection for them in law but you know with at the moment there's a bit of um, furor on social media because police police budgets are, are very tight and they always look at what costs the most you know police dogs and police dog handlers don't cost that much but they cost a little bit more than normal bobbies so Mm. if you're an accountant in a police force then you look at that and you think right well we'll get rid of some of those but you know once these amazing animals are gone they're gone and and they're very difficult to replace so it would just be an appeal to the to the public to you know make sure that your police service you know does keep their their police dog sections going and an appeal to, to sort of senior officers that, you know, these animals, that, they could do the work of 10 officers. Yes. So yeah. you might look on the piece of paper and think they they cost more. But actually, you know, Hero Diesel and I turned up to a job the other day. There were eight officers there searching for something. I immediately told seven of them that they could go and do other things.
0: <laughs> yes. And I just yes. had
1: one officer there with us. So they are time savers, they're money savers. Uh, they're resource savers, so that, you know, let's make sure that we keep the proud service dogs going in this country. And like you said earlier, let's look after them in retirement as well.
0: What an amazing story. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Finn. And thank you to all people and dogs and all animals whose work takes them into danger, ensuring my safety. Sadly, the second reading of Finn's Law, which Dave mentioned has been delayed due to an objection. We will keep a close eye on the progress the bill makes and we have all the links on the DogCast Radio site to enable you to keep up to date with it too. You're listening to DogCast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well... Check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an ebook you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit Macy'sChoice.com, that's M A C I E S C H O I C E.com, or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. Persians, Greeks, Babylonians, and Assyrians were the first cultures to use dogs with the police. And now, The Dogcast Radio News.
2: We've covered a variety of stories of dogs known as being reunited in happy, sad or unexpected circumstances, but one recent reunion is particularly astounding. Nicole Grimes from Pennsylvania, USA, spotted a rescue dog looking for a forever home on Facebook. Intrigued by how much like her childhood pet the dog looked, Nicole decided to adopt the dog. The dog had the same name as Nicole's dog, Chloe, and was the same mix of breeds, a Poodle, Pomeranian, Cross. And when the 11-year-old dog met Nicole, she came running up to her, licking her face like an old friend. When Nicole checked the dog's microchip, it confirmed her growing suspicions that Chloe was indeed her own dog. So how did this situation come about? Well, Nicole was given Chloe as a gift when she was 10, and for four years, all went well. Then Nicole's dad got a job working from home, requiring him to be on the phone a lot, and Chloe's barking was just too noisy. So sadly, Nicole's dad gave her dog away. Happily, now Chloe is making friends with Nicole's daughter, and this time she has a home forever.
0: How sad that they spent so many years apart.
2: And how sad that Nicole's dad didn't try to train Chloe to be quieter.
0: That is unfortunate, isn't it? Because with the right positive methods, dogs can be trained to do amazing things. In fact, a water company in the UK is using a dog to sniff out burst pipes. The dog in question is called Snipe and is a 16-month-old cocker spaniel who has undergone weeks of training by ex-military personnel to detect problem pipes by sniffing out tiny amounts of chlorine in tap water. United Utilities, who supply around 3 million homes in the northwest of England, will initially be trying snipe out in rural areas where leaks are hard to detect. Ross Stevenson and Luke Jones both served with the Royal Veterinary Corps in Afghanistan and Iraq, Luke has worked with dogs to search for weapons, explosives and IEDs, before transferring his skills to teach dogs to sniff out bed bugs. They trained Snipe using ordinary tap water, then adding more chlorine, so he understood it was the strongest chlorine scent they wanted him to find.
2: All very well until they pass the swimming baths.
0: I wonder if they've thought of that. Maybe that's why they're starting off in rural areas.
2: Could be. On to other rural areas now, in Chile where wildfire devastated more than 1.4 million acres, destroying nearly 1,500 homes and killing at least 11 people. When the multinational firefighting forces finally extinguished the fire, they were confronted by a bleak, charred wasteland. Now efforts are being made to restore the severely damaged ecosystem, and dogs are helping these efforts. Francisca Torres and her sister Constanza have used their own money to buy packs of native seeds which they will empty into canine backpacks which are worn by their three border collies, six-year-old Daz, and her two-year-old pups, Summer and Olivia. Once they're let loose in the decimated forest, the dogs rose around having a wonderful time, with no idea that they're helping to heal the ravaged woods. The Torres sisters started their visits in March 2017 and carried on for the next six months. They plan to repeat the process this year. Francisca, who trains assistance dogs and runs a dog oriented environmental community, says that dogs can cover as many as 18 miles in a day and distribute more than 20 pounds of seeds, and the signs of recovery are already becoming apparent.
0: Ah, and they just think they're having a great time and getting lots of treats and attention.
2: Yes, for them it's just a walk in the park, or rather in the forest.
0: Clearly, dogs can help us in surprising ways, and they've been by our sides for a long time. A new analysis of canine remains discovered in the 1960s in Manila in the Philippines in graves dating back to the 12th to 15th centuries AD show that the dog had suffered from spinal deformation possibly caused by infection or a spinal issue like scoliosis or even weight-bearing work he took on. The dog was buried in a grave of his own indicating that he was loved and valued enough to be considered worthy of his own burial. Despite having a grave of his own, the dog, along with other dogs, was buried among people, highlighting the social and cultural significance of these animals to human societies. And for any sceptics out there, the absence of butchery and burn marks mean the dogs were not food. Timothy Vitalis, who has carried out the analysis says the dogs whose remains he studied were given particular importance within the community in which they lived, accompanying their masters everywhere, being well-trained, helpful in hunting, and their companionship was considered to be important even in the afterlife.
2: We still think that now. Think about the story of Rainbow Bridge.
0: Absolutely. We just developed more health and safety rules over the years.
2: And of course, like that dog from history we just heard about, our dogs now have health issues, but now we have advanced technologies to help cope with it. When Irish retriever Duke was handed into a shelter, his front foot was bleeding badly, and was so deformed that sadly it had to be amputated. However, luckily for Duke, he was put into foster care with the Brown family, and his luck took another turn upwards. When Swansea-based advanced manufacturing firm CBM, a research company established by the University of Wales Trinity St. David, heard of Duke's condition and set about designing him a prosthetic leg. Duke's leg was scanned to capture 3D data specific to the complex geometry of his deformity to enable the team to create a unique prosthetic which would spread the load evenly across the limb to maximise comfort. Impressively, the whole prosthetic was 3D printed except for a rubber foot with some foam and some Velcro at the top. Now Duke has learned to walk all over again, this time using all four limbs, and the Browns have adopted him, finding themselves unable to part with him.
0: How fantastic! Technology really can be wonderful, can't it?
2: It can, and it's lovely to see Duke running happily thanks to his new leg.
0: On the subject of technology, Barbara Streisand recently revealed that she had cloned her beloved coat de Tulier, Samantha. Now, this develops into something of a saga, so sit back and try to follow. Samantha was a gift from Barbara's husband, James Brolin, and for 14 years she had gone everywhere with her owner. As Samantha lay dying, Barbara, understandably, was racked with grief. In her pain, she asked the vet to take cells from her beloved dog's mouth and skin to see whether she could be cloned. Samantha passed away, and the cells were sent off to the appropriate company. Bereft of canine company, Barbara went out and bought a multipoo dog to try to ease her loneliness. Then, out of the blue, Samantha's breeder phoned and said she had a puppy who was a relative of Samantha. The puppy's mother had been called Funny Girl, a part for which Barbara is famous. And so it seemed meant to be, and the puppy, newly christened Miss Fanny after the character Barbara played, moved into Barbara's house, which now was home to two dogs. The cloning company called to say they'd had success and bred four clones. Cue panic. Sadly, one puppy died, but in the fullness of time, three more Coton de Tullier pups arrived. Barbara now had five dogs. Three clones of Samantha, one related to Samantha, and one multipoo who resembled her in looks. But it was not a case of the more is the merrier, and the multipoo and one of the clones were found loving homes with Barbara's associates, leaving her with two clones, Miss Violet and Miss Scarlet, and of course, Miss Fanny, also a relative of theirs.
2: There's so much to say about that story. So much sadness and hopefully some happiness will come out of it all. But what about emotional cost? And by the way, the financial cost of cloning can vary from $50,000 to $100,000.
0: But of course, there's no guarantee that a clone will behave like the original, because it will have different experiences and influences. Then, there's the issue of whether we should honour each dog as an individual, and the moral issue of all the dogs in rescues
2: who could make just as cherished a pet if given the chance. And don't even get me started on giving a puppy away, though hopefully the puppies in question will have had every effort made on their behalf to avoid any negative impact.
0: You hope so, but clearly, fame and fortune are not the same things as wisdom.
2: If you've got any comments to make about any of today's stories, you can contact us through dogcastradio.com or through social media. Police
0: dogs can tell the difference between identical twins. Alabama Rot has been making headlines in the UK recently. But how worried should we be, and what steps can we take to protect our dogs? To find out more, I spoke to vet Mark Dumo. So, what is Alabama rot?
3: It's a disease uh, that uh, that can have devastating consequences in. Um in dogs um, we don't know exactly the cause of that but it's likely an infectious cause okay so bacterial fungal toxins of uh, either of those okay mm-hmm. uh, the uh, organism uh, involved in the disease has not been identified yet okay we know that it's uh, it's a disease that the um, the animals are likely catching in the in the environment there is a often a history of uh, being walked uh, In a, in a muddy uh, environment, which can be uh, quite common, especially in this period of the year in, um, in our country. Okay. Yeah. It's a disease that uh, somehow affects the blood vessels. Okay. Mm -hmm. In our, in our body. Okay. The first uh, site of involvement uh, would be the skin. Okay, and that would be a a location that the owners could um, could definitely um have a look at right that's mm-hmm. the first that's often the first sign that uh that we see so redness or ulcerative uh, skin lesions uh, which are often localized in the distal aspect of the limbs that means below the elbow or uh, or below the knees okay yeah. these lesions can start as very uh very small uh Pinpoint redness to uh, extensive uh, ulcerative uh, lesions with uh, raw tissue uh, visible under uh, underneath.
0: Yeah, yeah. And does it? Do they bother the dog? You know, when they're the little pinpoints, do they bother the dog at all at that point?
3: Not not necessarily no, at that no. point. Okay, Ooh. the owners the 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 dog starts noticing it uh, and. Paying attention to it and uh, potentially going uh, going at it with their mouth, or once it starts to um, to get painful. Yes, yeah. So the the, the skin lesion we uh, we see the skin forms uh, very very uh, rarely. Overall, it's a very very rare disease, but um, that's not. That's not the, what, uh, what will potentially lead to, uh, to the death of the animal. Okay. Mm. What, uh, what leads to the death of the animal is, is when there is uh, involvement of uh, internal organs, especially the kidneys. Okay. So once again, it's a disease uh, affecting the blood vessels. Okay. Uh, with formation of microthrombi. That means like tiny little blood clots obstructing the vessels. Okay. Mm. And leading to lack of vascularization and necrosis of the organ. And when, uh, when this is happening to the kidneys in particular, that can lead to fatal consequences. Okay. Yeah, we speak yeah. about acute kidney injury or acute renal failure when the animal is not able to excrete the toxins that normally the kidneys have to excrete, potentially uh, absence of urine production when the kidneys are normally supposed to produce urine. And that, uh, that, uh, when it's happening, is is usually fatal fatal within a couple of days, regardless of of the quality of care provided to the animals. And I've spoken with uh, veterinarians who are doing uh, what we would do in human medicine for for severe renal insufficiency that's renal replacement therapy or hemodialysis mm. and even the cases that uh, have uh, uh, gone through this kind of therapy they uh, rarely or to not say never make it okay so mm. once Kidney kidneys are involved. The disease uh, is uh, almost always uh, fatal. Okay, yeah. we speak about uh, probably when there is involvement of the kidneys, uh, probably uh, around uh, 85% mortality for uh, wow. for these cases. Yeah. When this when it's only the skin, hopefully we can uh, we can help. Hopefully the disease can uh, not spread into more uh, noble. Mm. Organs, I would say,
0: or, yeah, okay? yeah. So if you spot that you, you know, you've watched your dog somewhere muddy, he's now, yeah. he or she is now displaying the, 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 skin problems, the pinpoints or the, or the, um, ulcers. If you can get them to a vet, there may be something that the vet can do
3: and i have to say that i don't know the answer to that ooh, okay ooh. i'm currently in the process of following a, of following a patient uh, who is the housemate of a dog that recently died of alabama rot i'm following this patient for his skin lesion okay and so far Within approximately uh, a week of follow-up, he's only had his skin lesions and there, we had no signs at all of uh, damage of internal organs, okay, yeah. based on follow-up uh, examination, blood analysis, urinalysis, okay. Mm. We've started a treatment, okay, mm. for this dog, okay, uh, to help prevent uh, damage to the blood vessels from happening, preventing medications to uh, decrease the ability for the platelets to form little microthrombi into these blood vessels, okay? Can yeah. I say that it's because we are doing this treatment that this dog has not yet or hopefully will never get into renal failure? I don't know that yet and no one, yeah. no one does. That yeah. would make sense oh, I'm yes. hoping that I'm doing something beneficial <laughs> okay yeah. but yeah. can i can i can i uh, can I prove that for sure no mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. What uh, what something that would really make sense, right, for for pet owners is obviously go to their vet, okay, to yeah. know exactly uh, what are the what we are likely dealing with, okay, because we're gonna get more and more used to the appearance of the lesion and tell the owners how how worried we should be, okay? Could we potentially help the help these pets? Could we uh, do blood sampling or urine sampling to see if we have any any signs of uh, damage to the kidneys, for example? example, okay, so that would be very useful, okay, to have baseline uh, blood analysis when we have suspected cases based on the presence of, uh, of skin lesions. What also makes a lot of sense for pet owners is since we have this Often have this history of being worked in muddy environment. Mm. Okay, being very vigilant with the hygiene of uh, of their pets, so make sure that they are thoroughly cleaned and washed from any potential toxins or bacteria or fungal organism, whatever could cause this disease. Okay, when uh, when they are taken uh, when they are taken home. Okay, so thorough wash, thorough uh, cleaning of the of the limbs, for example.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Which, okay, or the entire dog, if the entire dog comes back completely muddy. Yes.
0: Yeah. Which is easier said. I mean, I'm just thinking, we have a very small dog that I could, you know, dunk in the sink, but I've got a Labrador. Mm-hmm. That's a, a bigger job to do, isn't it? But, and if you've got to do it every time, you know, it, it's quite a job. But, you know, it's so concerning, this Alabama rot. So that, and that is a step we can take and feel we're protecting our animals, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So if we, uh, if we are not planning to do a thorough, uh, bath of the dog, I completely understand it, right? But, uh, but cleaning with a, with a, with a clean towel when, uh, when they come back home, okay, will probably be good for the home, yeah. for the home, first of yes. all. Okay. And will, might be beneficial for, for the patient as well. Yeah. Okay. I cannot really tell you more about prevention of this uh, devastating disease, and to be honest, because we don't know enough about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: It, I would say that hygiene makes uh, makes a lot of sense.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. As you say, for the house as well as the dog. Um, yeah. But I mean, how, so how worried? Should we be? Because you know, some newspapers like worrying uh, us. Uh, How worried should we, the, should we be?
3: So that's a very good, uh, very good question. Okay, at the moment there is no reason to be excessively worried. Okay, mm-hmm. the cases uh, reported and confirmed are extremely rare. Okay, mm-hmm. that would be a mis- a mistake to panic, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. don't want uh, any dog with uh, sli- small skin lesions to be uh, considered uh, at risk of dying within the next following days. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think veterinarians and pet owners need to be aware of this disease okay yeah. but uh, but um, but no reason to panic it's still an extremely rare condition okay I think we need to be a little bit more vigilant when when the population knows that Cases have been reported in the area, okay, mm-hmm. and we have uh, we have a map uh, done by uh, by uh, a company of uh, of vet clinics that uh, that uh, reports the cases uh, report confirmed in an area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be uh, could could be useful. Yeah, could be useful for foreigners. Okay, yeah. so if we uh, if you Google uh, if you Google. Uh, Alabama hot based on postcode. You should be able to find this map, uh, from this, uh, from this uh, veterinary company.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as you say, that's, that's the best thing. You know, have a look online, see what's going on in your area and, you know, be, be advised and, and be careful. As you say, wash the dog well in your, if you're, if it's in your area. Saying that, where can people find out more online about you and Scarsdale vets?
3: We have a website, uh, for the for the main clinic, uh, mm-hmm. which is called the Pride Veterinary Center, so the website is uh, is easily found uh, online. There is plenty of information about uh, about our clinic online, yes. the service that we offer, and uh, what we can do for for dogs in uh, in severe cases.
0: Yeah, great. So arm yourself with the knowledge you need, and, and but don't be frightened. Keep your head. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark. Thank you very much, and and good luck with the dog that you're following.
3: Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: If Alabama rot is in your area, good luck and stay safe. That's it for this time. Next time, we'll be sharing our cruft experience with you, including how Jenny and I got on when we braved the sensory tunnel of the guide dog stall. How did we cope with not being able to see just for a few minutes? In the meantime, you can stay in touch with us via our website, dogcastradio.com, and our social media channels. with the ident Dog Cast Radio. That's all one word, Dog Cast Radio. By email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny.
2: Jenny, why do you keep giving bits of your meal to Buddy? All food must go to the lab for testing.